So we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to see what God's Word says so that we can experience healing as well. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 31, you can follow along on the screen, your Bibles, your phones. Uh, Luke 4, 31, it says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. There are several things we're going to pull out of this passage of Scripture. Julie says she didn't have steps to healing from depression. I'm going to give you some steps here that are in the Word of God on how we can find healing. They're not necessarily sequential steps, steps one after the other, but each are steps that we can take to move towards our healing. So he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the demon, then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to the impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the house or the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I want to share seven steps here that we can take towards our healing. Again, not necessarily in this order, but each are steps that can move us towards that healing that we need. I believe in healing. I'm just curious how many in this room today said, I've been healed by the Lord before. Let me see your hand. Been healed. You can't tell us that healing has ceased. You can't tell us that it doesn't exist. Yeah, I've, 25 years ago, I was diagnosed with a tumor inside of my spinal column. And I'd had some pain, a lot of discomfort. Finally went to the doctor and the doctor diagnosed with a, a tumor that was inside the spinal column. It was intra and extradural. So it kind of began to enlarge outside. It was putting pressure upon my, uh, the nerves that control my breathing and, uh, so he said, you've really got three options. If it's malignant, you do nothing. It's going to kill you sooner than later. If it's not malignant, you do nothing. It'll kill you over time. If you twist your head the wrong way, it could kill you immediately. So we need to have surgery. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, that's all you got? <laughs> all of those end badly. Uh, there's got to be a better option. He said, then we need to do surgery. I said, well, hang on. I said, I, Starla and I need to go pray. So we're going to go pray about this and seek the Lord. And the truth is, I didn't tell the other services, but I went for a second opinion. I went to the second opinion and doctor basically told me the same thing. Uh, so I asked him, I said, how many surgeries like this have you done? And he said, uh, well, not exactly like this, but I said, forget you. I'm going back to the other guy. <laughs> how many have you done? He said, I couldn't count. Okay, you're my guy. 
uh, I'll leave the spiritual part to uh, the church. We'll, we'll, we'll call on God. I, you just do what you're trained to do. Uh, so I had the surgery. They made an incision on the back of my neck and extracted the tumor. And, uh, and then there were several things that happened. And this, this is where we just have to trust God, regardless of how you do it. Because I offered a really beautiful plan of healing to God. I told him exactly how this should play out and it would work good for him and for me. And he did not take me up on it. I mean, I was content to ride this thing out. In fact, after I got my diagnosis from this doctor before the surgery took place, I, I, I sent my results to another doctor, a spirit-filled doctor named Dr. Reginald Cherry, who actually had a program on a TV at that time called The Doctor and the Word. And he had written a book called God's Pathway to Healing. And in his book, he talks about uh, situations where people would come to him and he would uh, give them a holistic pathway to healing. Others, he would prescribe medicine, uh, medicinal ways uh, for them to be able to get their healing. And others, surgery. Others, let's just trust God and believe God. To, so I, I was, I'd presented God with the last, you know, let's, let's believe for a supernatural healing. Uh, but Dr. Cherry, he looked over my, my diagnosis and came back and said, you need to have surgery. And so I was at peace with it. We did it. But what was amazing is when they had done the MRI and all the CAT scan and everything, there was deterioration in the spinal column where this tumor had been. And so they had prepared me for a bone graft to repair the part of the spinal column that had deteriorated. And they had, were, had prepped me mentally for having possibly to have a, a halo on to hold my neck in place while I was being uh, re in recovery. And I thought this may be my only chance to get a halo. Uh, <clears throat> but when they got in there, there was no, no, uh, compromise to the spinal column, which was contrary to the MR and the CAT scan earlier. They had told me they were going to have to cut the nerves that control the feeling all over the back of my head. And the next morning when I woke up, the first thing I did was reach to feel the back of my head and I could feel everything. Doctor came in and I said, hey, how'd you get around not cutting the nerves out? He said, what do you mean? I said, I, I have feeling. He said, that's amazing. I cut those nerves. I said, well, can you grow new nerves? He said, well, yeah, sure. No big deal. He said, over time, but not overnight. So, and, and, and I, I told God, I said, I don't get it. You know, you, you have the power to do these things, but then this you don't. And that's where we just have to learn to trust God. I don't know why God heals some and why he doesn't heal others, why he heals one way and won't heal another. God's sovereign. God's in charge. God's in control. Our job is to trust him no matter what and quit getting in little uh, attitudes and, and temper tantrums and having pity parties and pouting when God doesn't do it our way. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants his best for you and we just have to trust him. So I'm going to give you here seven steps uh, that I see in the word of God. Number one is simply this, get the right teaching. Verse 31, it says he taught the people. He was teaching them. He was teaching them. And because he taught them the right doctrine, he taught them the right truth. He taught them the right uh, word from, from God the Father. They were in a position to be able to receive healing. You got to get the right teaching because I promise you, 
You can go other places and they're going to tell you that healing does not exist today. There's a difference between continuationism and cessationism. Continuationism, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Healing still continues. Or the cessationism, that healings and miracles and signs and wonders have ceased to exist. I'm telling you, Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to go back to the Word of God. I'm going to stand on the Word no matter what. Can I get an amen? So you got to get the right teaching. And if you don't like this teaching, then you can go somewhere and get something else. But I'm going to stand on the Word of God, and I'm going to trust that Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed in the past, then he will heal again today. The second thing you got to do is you got to exercise authority. Verse 32 says... His words had authority. Now, I know somebody may say, yeah, but that was Jesus. We're talking about me here. Of course, Jesus has authority. What about me? Well, Luke 10, 19 says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. You have been given authority by Jesus. So we have authority. But listen, authority, unless it is recognized, isn't really much good. The authority is for you. You need to understand who you are and that you have authority. But, but even still, like the captain of the ship that was uh, doing uh, some maneuvers in the, in the sea and uh, night had fallen and all of a sudden somebody said, Captain, there's a, a light out there ahead and we're on a collision course for that ship. And uh, he said... Give me the radio. He radioed ahead and said, uh, you need to alter your course 20 degrees. The response came back. You need to alter your course 20 degrees. He said, I'm the captain. Alter your course 20 degrees. The response came back. I'm seaman second class. You need to alter your course second to uh, 20 degrees or whatever. What did I say? 20 degrees. He said, I'm the captain of a battleship. You need to alter your course 20 degrees. He said, I'm the lighthouse. (laughs) You need to alter your course 20 degrees. See, you can have all the authority in the world, but unless that authority is recognized, then it's not going to do any good. Uh, There's a a governor of Massachusetts was working years ago, was working at the campaign trail, trying to get votes for re-election, ended up working all day, didn't eat lunch, ended up at a church barbecue, shaking hands and trying to get votes. And they were having a potluck dinner and he was in line, hadn't eaten all day. The lady put one piece of chicken on his plate. He said, "Uh, ma'am, do you think I can get another piece of chicken? She said, excuse me, one chicken per person. But, But I haven't eaten anything all day. One chicken per person. Those are my orders. Yeah, but but ma'am, I'm the governor of the state. She said, yes, but I'm the woman in charge of the chicken. (laughs) This authority, unless it's recognized, is really not any good. Authority is for you. You need to understand that you have authority, but what do we do when that authority is not recognized? Well, that's why verse uh, 36 says we operate in power. He Uh, with authority and power, he gives orders. We recognize that our authority comes from God the Father, but the power comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, it's his power. That's where the power is. We're not operating in our power. We're operating in the power of Jesus. The power is still in his name. And then number four, you got to rebuke the sickness. 
Verse 39 says he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. Jesus, when he was praying for Simon's mother-in-law, he actually spoke to the fever. And here's what I think the mistake a lot of us make. And some of it is uh, innocent mistake. Some of it is just a lack of faith. But when we pray, we'll just pray to God and we just want God to do all the work. God, will you go over there and beat up that devil for me? Will you? you know, there are times that you need to speak to the sickness. You need to speak to the mountain. You need to speak to the enemy. You need to take the authority that's in you and the power in the name of Jesus and begin to rebuke the sickness. Call it out in the name of Jesus. And in a moment when we conclude this service, I'm going to have our prayer partners and pastors down here towards the front. We're going to anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And we're going to speak to the sickness to go in Jesus name. So the next step is this. You've got to use the power of your hands. Verse 40 says, laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now, again, you say, but this was Jesus. Yes, but we see all throughout. I could build a whole sermon over every on every one of these steps. But all throughout the New Testament, there was the, the power that was transferred, whether it was uh, hands were laid upon people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Hands were laid upon people and they were healed. Hands were laid upon people and they were delivered. There's something whenever we lay hands upon people in the name of Jesus with the authority that we have from God and the power that's in his name, that God will touch people and heal people. That's why he said, You're any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church who will anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith. We lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We're going to do that today. But then number six, you got to find a place of solitude. Again, I say these aren't in particular order, but you got to be willing to find a place where you can cut out the distractions that create doubt and confusion and find a place where you can get locked in and just get inundated. I mean, soaked in the word of God, soaked in his promises. And then number seven, worship team, if you guys will come back. Number seven, you got to go to where Jesus is. Just get to where he is. Go where you know there is faith. Go where you know there are people who believe. Go where you know God shows up. When I had the diagnosis of the tumor in Sodom's spinal column, the first thing I did, it was on a Tuesday afternoon. I went straight. We were in, in fact, at that time in our church, we had a Tuesday night prayer meeting, a Thursday night midweek. I went to the Tuesday night prayer meeting. I wanted to go where people prayed. I told a few people that were there what was going on. I said, I need y'all to pray. On Wednesday night before our Thursday midweek, I went to a friend's church where I knew they believed in healing. I went there and I told them, I said, I need healing. Won't y'all anoint me with oil? Let's pray. That Thursday before our midweek service, I was scheduled to be at a pastor's meeting and Jerry Savelle was speaking and he had all the pastors come down. I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I was just there to have my faith built and he called all the pastors up front and he's just walking along, praying for each one, kind of praying these general prayers. And then he laid his hands upon me, went to the next person, stopped and came back and out of the blue just starts rebuking cancer. And I knew at that moment I was on God's radar. I knew at that moment that God was letting me know, I know where you are. I know what's going on. You don't have to worry. I'm taking care of this. God still heals today. Sometimes we just have to get where he is. And today I believe he's here. 
I believe he's here to heal. I believe he's here to deliver. I believe he's here to set free. I believe he's here to change our minds. I believe he's here to show himself powerful and strong. My younger brother, 14 months younger than me, when he was just a couple years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. The doctor said that he wouldn't live six months. I don't remember this, only the stories that my parents have told. But obviously our circle of friends began to pray. My dad had a best friend at that time. His name was Howard Burroughs. And my dad called Howard as his best friend and said, Howard, I need you to pray for my son. The doctors have said he only has six months to live. Howard started praying along with countless other people. But something happened with Howard because this is what I realized. Sometimes, and everybody needs to realize this, sometimes God puts people in your life to bear your burden. There's just some people he puts in your life at a specific time to bear your burden. That's why Galatians 6 2 tells us, bear one another's burdens. Why? Because there's just some people that we need to lift up and we need to carry. And he's assigned you to be in their life at a certain time for a certain need. My dad called his best friend, Howard. In fact, I grew up believing Howard was my uncle. I called him Uncle Howard. And Howard began to pray. He was pastoring a small little church at that time and down in Houston and He went to the sanctuary, the empty sanctuary, and began to walk that sanctuary and began to pray. He was asking for healing for my brother Kenan. And at some point while he was walking that empty sanctuary praying, he felt compelled to go to the organ. And back in those days, there was a piano on one side and an organ on the other. How many remember those days? Yeah, you old timers. He went to the organ But here's what's interesting. This was the miracle inside of a miracle because Howard Burns didn't play the organ. But in this moment of faith, in this moment of believing for the supernatural, he felt inclined to go to the organ. So he goes and sits down on the organ and he begins to play. And he begins to play this song, The Lily of the Valley. And some of you will know The Lily of the Valley. He said, it says, I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley in him alone I see all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And then he got to this third verse. And the third verse says this, he will never Never leave me, nor yet forsake me here while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me. I've nothing now to fear. With his manna, he, my hungry soul, shall fill. And Howard says the Lord spoke to him in that moment. The same way God gives a rhema word whenever you're reading the Holy Scriptures. And while you're reading these scriptures and a scripture just jumps out at you and it becomes your word for that moment. God can do the same thing even with these sacred hymns and anthems that we sing. 
As he was singing that a wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. God spoke to him and said, call James and tell him there's a wall of fire about Kenan. And he has nothing now to fear. So he called and said, James, James, there's a wall of fire around your son. You don't have anything to fear. And something about that moment, that release of faith and confidence and hearing the word of the Lord and just knowing that God was in the middle of it, released a faith in our family. Oh, and Kenan lived not six months or six years or in fact, this month he'll celebrate 60 years. He's an old guy. 60 years. I'm telling you, I don't understand why God heals when he does, but I know this. He's still a healer and he still loves his people and he cares what's going on in your life and you're not facing anything that's too big for him. And if we'll just put our hope and our trust and our faith in him, then I promise you, God will show up in your life like you've never seen him before. Regardless of how you came in, I'm believing that every person that walks out of this place is gonna walk out changed. You're either gonna walk out healed or you're gonna walk out with your faith elevated to a whole nother level so you can take on whatever devil you're facing out there and you can know that you win. Everybody say, I win.